Hello there, and welcome back to another of our exciting podcasts. Today, Dartmoor Prison, which is located in Dartmoor. Now, this is down in the southwest of England, and it was made famous by Sherlock Holmes, the Hound of the Baskervilles. It's this really rough moor surrounded by bog and rock and heather and grass. And yeah, they decided to build a prison there because it was fairly inhospitable. A very, very inhospitable place indeed. There's only one little town up there and a collection of farmhouses. And yeah, was um, again, I think the other thing is very famous for is no one's ever escaped from there successfully. Well, no one's ever escaped and lived. I think this is the... And lived. Yeah. There have been quite a few people that escaped. Well, actually, not quite a few. I mean, there there was a handful of people that have escaped over the years. But unlike Alcatraz uh, in San Francisco Bay, um, nobody has stayed... It didn't end well, put it that way, for anyone who broke out. It didn't end well. Yeah, that's probably written on a wall somewhere. Yes. And it's it's one of those things that, you know, it, it was built... Or during the Napoleonic Wars between England and France, uh, when the English forces were fighting uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. And um, it was somewhere to put all these French prisoners of war. And then later, it was somewhere to put American prisoners of war who were captured in the 1812 war between Britain and the United States. Do you want to tell us more about that, Paul? must have been quite an interesting period around that time so 1803 to 1809 was the uh, the period of the napoleonic wars and obviously the 1812 war and leading up to that we had this this mixture of uh, french and uh, american prisoners and at one point there was reputed to have been well 11,000 french were known to have died through uh, the period that they were incarcerated. Uh, 270 Americans also died in that period as well. Conditions that were really bad, smallpox, typhoid, pneumonia. I mean, bearing in mind, we're, we're talking about um, a stone-built uh, prison on, on the top of a, a moor that averages 40 inches of rain a year, very few days of sunshine. So pretty brutal conditions. Of course, the Napoleonic War didn't finish until 1815 at the Battle of Waterloo. What had happened is what had led to the uh, 1812 war with America is that the Royal Navy desperately, desperately needed sailors. And they had found one or two incidences of British sailors who deserted from the Royal Navy uh, were working in American merchant ships and they'd been given right. American yep. citizenship. Um, now, Britain obviously didn't want to recognize America as being a sovereign state and certainly wasn't very happy to hear the excuse that sailors that had deserted from the Royal Navy were working for the Americans. So what they would do is that they would press gang them and they would take them off the ship and they would force them to um, work for the Royal Navy. And frankly, anybody who spoke English well and didn't seem to come with a convincing story about why they were there, well, they weren't really too fussy about who they ended up press ganging in order to uh, fight against the French in the Royal Navy. Yeah, a lot of famous stories around that time of uh, you know, getting press ganged in pubs 
I mean, if people don't understand what press ganging is, it was pretty much uh, somebody from a boat going to a pub, throw a load of money around, get everyone as drunk as possible, and then drag them semi-conscious onto a ship. And that's where they spend the rest of their working days. There's also a very interesting story that the got the, 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 the beer tankards, which were made of pewter, so that you know, you'd have your beer in a beer tankard, and at the bottom of it, it had a glass bottom. Do you know the story about that? No, I don't. To be no. enlisted to work for the Royal Navy, you had to take the King's shilling or the Queen's shilling, depending on who the monarch at the time was. And what would happen is that you'd be bought a, a, a beer and you'd drink this beer and at the bottom of it, you'd find that there was the coin, the shilling that you'd been given so they could then legitimately knock you over the head and and effectively press gang you and imprison you and uh, force you right. into the Navy. So the whole reason that these beer um, tankards had glass bottoms is so that the sailors could see if there was a coin at the bottom before they started drinking. <laughs> so that was it, one of the legends about press ganger to um, but it was, you know, it was a very, very nasty business. Um, they were the, the, and the thing is as well, the British Royal Navy, a lot of the um, ship's captains would steal British sailors from other British ships and put them onto, you know, say, say for example, if I needed crew and I didn't have enough people, well, I would, I was, you know, I, I would send a, a team of people into a pub to effectively kidnap other British sailors from another British ship. They really didn't, re they didn't care oh, yeah. if they had people. Oh no! It was, it was totally, uh, it was totally indiscriminate. It was a well-known fact. The um, the museum itself over at the at the at the prison. And obviously, the prison is a huge, dark, austere, cold, damp building, and apparently, it's going to be closed in in twenty twenty three on account of the fact that it's really not fit for human habitation. But there's a fantastic museum, and you, you've been there. Yeah, it really does uh, take you take you back in time when you walk in there. It, it still has a, a very Victorian feel to it, uh, and, and Victorian era. We're talking early 1900s. Bear in mind, this prison was there a hundred years before, and yeah, harsh conditions. I mean, everything is built out of pretty much out of the the, uh, the the rock that is on the moor. And the rest they uh, they took from lo local quarry. It wasn't Melbourne quarry. I don't know which um, I got the name of it listed down somewhere. But yeah, the rock was holed up there as well. So it was probably part of the pr first prisons that were that were there, pushed into building that. It, it took they forecast a year and a half to build it originally. It took three years um, due to the weather mainly and, and disputes. But the prison museum is actually part of uh, the old, what would have been a prison block itself. There were, I think, up to six or seven um, cell block houses. And you're probably talking about a thousand people in each one, judging by the numbers that, that were there. So um, the museum covers the um, all the, the, the time period from the time the prison was built. Um, through to the current day, although unfortunately, 
during uh, the mutiny, there was a mutiny escape plot in I think, 1932, and 50 prisoners had, uh, started to get the gouge the hole in one of the outer walls, and it turns out it wasn't so much of a mutiny it appeared it appeared to be like a riot but what it actually was was a cover-up for an escape and actually no one escaped but during that time there was a fire and a lot of the records were destroyed so some were were salvaged there uh, obviously uh, there was a record of the american prisoners there because it's a very rare uh, memorial wall for fallen uh, u.s servicemen u.s navy seamen uh, was, I think it's 271 names actually on the wall and it's one of the few memorial walls uh, outside of America interesting point and that's right outside the museum itself and inside the museum is all the old uh, farming tools rock working tools so a lot of the prisoners are obviously sent out working they were building or if you look if you ever go to Dartmoor like many parts of England, there are stone walls dividing fields about three, four feet high, and a lot of the prisoners were were designated to to, to work on those. Uh, they had their own farm, huge farm, grew a load of veg. Um, record books are there. Obviously, uh, latter day uh, records coming through uh, the fifties and sixties. Um, there's actually a, inside the book. I saw the Cray twins had signed in. Uh, when they went to visit a notorious uh, prisoner by the name of Frank Mitchell, known as the, the Mad Axeman. He, he got the, do you know how he got the name the Mad yeah, Axeman? Yeah, I believe it's because he um, held two elderly people uh, ransom with an axe. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he stole the clothes and uh, saw the clothes in the car. He was, you know, incredibly strong, ridiculously strong. What he would do is he would pick up people by their belts. He would just walk up to two men, grab one man in with each hand, and then just lift them into the air. He was strong enough to pick up a grand piano. Um, but also, people who knew him said that he had the mental age of a 13-year-old. I mean, he really was yeah. very, very... Obviously, he had deep, deep... Uh, learning difficulties and was had a terrible temper he was a very very difficult prisoner to uh, to, to manage yes yeah that was his own behavior actually led to his own demise um so moving away from the museum on that let's just expand on that story um he was the only person um to um escape uh, semi-successfully and, and not die on the, on the moor or be recaptured on the moor and it was actually a very clever plot how uh, he worked himself into an outdoor um, prison gang working working out in the fields and uh, he, he approached one of the prison guards and asked could he go over and feed some of the ponies that were up there and that's another factor of, uh, of Dartmoor that there are wild ponies still roaming around and this part of the story, I don't know, I question, because uh, those ponies are hard to approach, you know? But supposedly, he walked across the field to an open gate to feed these ponies, and the Cray twins had hidden a car uh, there and with some of their honchos, and they drove him away. And what Mitchell didn't realize was he was actually being kidnapped. 
and he was taken and held in a flat for a few days um, by one of the crays and eventually was um, murdered in the back of a van and his body was dumped in the English Channel, never to be Yeah, found. absolutely. Now, when it comes to feeding wild ponies, I mean, they're not, you know, they're, they're not particularly approachable unless, of course, you're going to feed them. And when they realize that you've got food for oh, them, yeah. then they're a lot more cooperative. Um, uh, that maybe, probably made sense. If he was going over to feed them and he'd fed them before, they, they you know, they are opportunists. And uh, they, you know, they would have approached him probably in order to get a feed. Um, and the, the reason why he was um, basically taken from Dartmoor was, well, a couple of reasons. The craze wanted to prove how incredibly powerful and important they were because they could break somebody out of, of a really maximum security prison. But also as well, they needed him because they were about to go to war with another a criminal gang in London called the Richardsons. But I believe what happened is that after they'd um, obtained um, Frank Mitchell, the Richardsons ended up being in prison. So they had this guy and they didn't really know what to do with him. He was a complete nuisance. Um, he kept wanting to go and see his mother and father who lived locally. And they had to keep explaining to him that he had to keep his head down. He'd be recognized. He couldn't walk outside the house. So in the end, it got to the stage he was such uh, an absolute right. liability that um, they, they felt that the, the easiest way of getting uh, rid of the problem was by getting rid of uh, Frank Mitchell himself. So they murdered him and uh, dumped his body out at sea. Hmm. But, but other Show people me. have... have Another reason, uh, another thing I found out in, in the museum, and, and interestingly, the museum they still have um, clothes and shoes, boots, and, and things that were made through through these times. And the uh, the prison issue clothing was was somewhat horrendous, and for the conditions up there, it was not going to keep any anybody warm. But another another interesting fact: the uh, a few people that did try and wander off, and many did when they were out on these on these work uh, crews, but they'd actually put a wooden sole on, on the boots, and they carved an arrow. The arrows oh. carved into the into the sole of the shoe. So wherever these prisoners walked, their footprints could be traced in the direction they were going in because the arrow pointed to the toe. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, interesting. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, real clever, but um, conditions inside and, and punishments were were known to be extremely uh, brutal. Um, the cat and nine tails was was commonly used, and there was one story of um, uh, a guy inside who was accused of stealing or not nothing too horrendous, but but uh, he the governor or the prison ward didn't like this guy sentenced him to 500 lashes and they said after 40 odd this all his skin off his back was just hanging off and he was unconscious and the normal punishment was 24 lashes and and few people received barely more than 12 uh, because it was so painful and so brutal Another interesting fact: during the, uh, the incarceration of all the um, pr the American prisoners, 
that uh, the the governor was actually a naval captain at the time. There was two naval captains through that period, uh, Captains Cotgrave, Captain Shortland. Uh, and I think Shortland in the latter period actually allowed that the uh, the American prisoners to, to ha- kind of have their own governance within the prison. They had their own courts, they had a market, food market, they had a theatre, they even had a gambling room, can you believe? And uh, a, a one block became kind of, uh, there was notoriety in, in many of the blocks for obviously violence, gangs and, and what have you. And one person that, that kind of rose to, to fame in this time was a guy called King Dick. And he was this, uh, this huge black guy. And uh, it turns out he'd, uh, he'd been captured uh, on, on a ship. Uh, his real name, they believe, was, was a guy called Richard, Richard Crafus. And no one had ever seen a guy ever six foot tall. And this guy was, I mean, in stories, he's rumored to be seven foot tall, but in truth was about six foot four, six foot five. But he was about 235 pounds. So he ruled this uh, cell block four. And it just seemed to be the way... Um, that, that things were back then. There wasn't segregation, but all the blacks that were uh, that were in the prison, some range between 900 and 1,000, all chose to uh, take over this, this cell block four. And many of the other prisoners, uh, both French and American, chose to move into there because it was ran better. It was less violent, conditions were better, and had a, a more of a, a sense of order. And in many prison journals, this, this guy King Dick is, is written about by, by many people. So, interesting. And moving through time, come up to um, where would be now 1940s. Um, oh no, no, First World War. Military Service Act, first, the First World War was brought in and the prison was turned into a government labor camp. And this allowed them to house um, conscientious objectors to the war or conscious as they were called and it's interesting I normally associate conscientious objectors with with, latter day war, second world war Vietnam war, Korean war Um, but we had a thousand incarcerated in Dartmoor alone so we don't know how many people were in the country and and again these were given uh, a kind of free reign within the prison um, clusters you know very low risk ordinary people so they took the locks off the doors they were allowed to wander freely pretty much from cell block to cell block and uh, until they were released yeah this is the thing and it, it, it was all about in the first world war that you were under so much pressure to to sign up and if you didn't people would give you a white feather where you'd be accused of being a coward and ironically it, it right. possibly took yeah. more courage not to sign up and uh, go and fight in the war than to 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 sort of you know to sign up um but it was yeah yeah Take the absolutely it was but it, it was it was certainly a um there were a lot of people that most people would um be conscientious objective uh, objectors for religious reasons but even then i have to say that you were more or less expected to be a stretcher bearer. So it, it was one of those things that don't want to fight, no problem at all. There you go, there's a stretcher, lots of luck, but you'd be a lot safer if you had a rifle in your hand. 
But they were very, very low hmm. risk, though. I mean, they were usually people that were conscientious objectors used to due to their religious beliefs. And as a result, they weren't going to create any drama for the guards. So you may as well have them as prison orderlies dishing out food or running the library or because yeah, that they're not career criminals. No, and, and again, um, the, you know, just a very geographical location of Dartmoor, um, sitting where it sits with one, what would have been one small town next to it, and that small town was mainly for all the prison warders and guards and staff. Um, and beyond that, nothing. Um, so you, there's nowhere to wander, nowhere to escape. And, and most of these people probably wouldn't have no, done anyway. And the ones that did, some of them drown. A lot of them died of exposure, simply because of the fact that they either froze to death or they got wet um, and then froze to death. So, you know, it was, it, it, you really, really had to know what you were doing. You had to have a plan uh, if you were going to escape from, from, from Dartmoor. Ideally, have someone who was going to pick you up and would indeed take you into uh, back to civilization, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it is very poignant if, if you've ever watched the movie The Hound of the Baskervilles. It's most the, most of the shots are at night. Um, most of the, even the ones in the day, it's shrouded in mist and cloud. Um, uh, and that wasn't special effects. That's pretty much how it is. <laughs> For real, uh, you and yeah. I both know we've hiked up there and, and swamps, of course. You know, marsh, um, which yeah. is effectively swamp. I mean, there, 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 are, there are quicksands up there. There are, you know, it, it is it is nasty. You've really got to know what you're doing. Yeah, a lot of wildlife's lost up there every year, and stories of people slipping into a bog and disappearing very common. Yeah, yeah, not a place you would want to be wandering around without a backpack and your sandwiches and your flask of tea. <laughs> Yes, and the compass. <laughs>